Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Zero season three episode 21 starts now that was for you new self in the comments section what's up tommy ryan everybody who's here with us live welcome to phase zero season three episode 21 i wanted to hold that phase just as long as you wanted me to i'm brandon davis joined today by aaron perrine that was the longest phase of all of our lives new self it really (laughs) was Welcome to the show, everybody. That's when you know it's going to be a chunky one. We have, we have like so many headlines to discuss today. It was worthy of a lot of A's in the phase. We got Jenna Anderson. Hey, everybody. At a certain point, we're just going to have an episode that is just you saying <laughs> And then it's just the intro and outro music. And we're just going to be done. A full hour. Who wants to sponsor that show? Line up at the door, guys. Get in line. Charlie Ridgely is here today. Welcome back to the program. Thank you. That was uh, that was more of a phase, less of a phase, and more of an era. I think. I have to start it's, changing. Some... Is it just a phase, Dad? Yeah, like it's 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 more it's permanent now. It's a phase. All right, uh, all right. Uh, a couple things I want to start before we get into lots of MCU news today. I would just say, I don't subscribe to the Phase Hero channel on YouTube if you're watching us live, if you're listening to us on Wednesday, or if you're watching this after the fact. There is. If you're a fan of Spider-Verse, if you're looking forward to the Spider-Verse movie and looking forward to our thoughts on it, Aaron and I have seen Spider-Man Across the (laughs) Spider-Verse, but we can't talk about it on today's show. We can talk about it tonight. So uh, spoiler free, you know the drill. I'm just saying, I I don't know if I can say the time, so I'm not going to, but I'm just going to say subscribe to the Phase Your channel, follow us on Twitter, and go to comicbook.com slash Marvel for a roundup because the thoughts are going to be thinking publicly. Uh, Spider-Verse, what else we got? We got a Spider-Verse interview on today's show. Aaron, tell us about what we got coming up on the show today. Uh, we also have an interview with uh, Joaquin DeSantos. Um, That's right. I want to make sure we get uh, I want to make sure get everybody in here because they all have done such a wonderful job and they were really, really delightful to talk to. I want to say, do we have Phil Lord? I don't think we have Lord and Miller. Like, you never catch both in the same time. They could be variants. Stay woke. Um, uh, let's see here. Oh, there were variants of one another. Like they were a Loki Sylvie pairing. Stop, stop spoiling the interview, Charlie. <laughs> stop spoiling the show. <laughs> um, wouldn't it be wild if they were? But uh, we basically got all three of them together. That's right. Um, That's right. On today's show, uh, Justin. Got Justin K. Thompson and Kent Powers. So they were very excited. They pleaded with us very, very politely not to spill any of the wonderful secrets in this movie. There are things in this that are going to be discussed when the movie actually comes out on our our reaction podcast, too, which should be spicier than usual, I think. I, oh, Jenna. Oh my God. Jenna, uh, Charlie. Uh, I, I can't wait to talk about this movie. I uh, and it starts. It, it kind of starts tonight, even though I'm not really going to talk about the movie. That's more like my 
my how do I talk about this movie? Let's talk about this movie moment. Uh, but yeah, so subscribe to the channel for that and look forward to our interview uh, at the tail end of today's episode of Phase Zero. Uh, if you're in Nashville, if you're in the Nashville area, come out to ICC Con. I think that's the proper number of C's. I'm hosting a panel with Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio on Saturday. Uh, so if you're out there, come on out and uh, come say hello. Please ask questions. It makes my job so much easier when the audience participation just takes over and I just get to sit there and be like, Haha, I'm within five feet of Charlie Cox. What's up? Uh, and also just wanted to say, uh, you know, we lost uh, Ray Stevenson this week. Uh, and that guy seemed like a, a just a, an awesome dude. He's He's been a part of the Marvel world. He's been a part of uh, a lot. He's played so many awesome roles uh, and very suddenly passed away this week. I got to meet Ray at Star Wars Celebration. And I, I remember after talking to him, I turned around and said to Richard, I was like, dude, that guy was cool as hell. Like, that guy is just cool. Uh, and unfortunately, he passed away. So uh, we just want to send our best to Ray's family. Uh, and just anybody who's who's sad to lose Ray, know you're not alone. We all are kind of shocked by that. And yeah, that's, that was a tough one to hear. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and we're going to move on to some MCU news now. We have so much news to talk about. After our first break, we're going to come back. We have a lot to talk about on the Avengers Kang Dynasty front. So that's going to be a pretty big conversation. There seems to be some changes and whatnot going around with that. So that's going to be kind of our, our after our first break. We're going to dive into some Kang Dynasty stuff. First of all, we got to talk about Deadpool 3. Yesterday, I'm sure everybody who, if you have a cell phone and you have social media, you saw Deadpool 3 started production was the rumor. Then Charlie's best friend, Stefan Kapchik. How did I, did I say his name right, Charlie? I've said it differently to his face several times, and he has never <laughs> once corrected me, so I'm just going to be honest. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Stefan. I know we got that part yeah, right. Yeah, that, that part's right. Yeah. So Stefan uh, shared, a, shared a, one of those production begins pictures on his Instagram story, thus confirming Colossus himself said, uh, you know, production on Deadpool 3 has started. So Colossus is back. Here's, here's the list of people that are, that are now confirmed, according to various outlets and sources, to be in Deadpool 3. You got, obviously, Deadpool, Wolverine, Colossus, Negasonic, Teenage Warhead, Yukio, Vanessa, uh, Peter, Rob Delaney's back, Blind Al, and Dopinder. I'm also, I'm pretty sure this is going to be Deadpool kills the Fox universe. So... How, who 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 are we expecting? I know the three of us have talked quite a bit about this. Charlie, who who are you expecting to show up in Deadpool three or wanting? I mean, or hoping doesn't. Those are so many different questions. Uh, I mean, the my, the biggest thing on my wish list is Domino. I don't want this movie to go without like a chunky Domino role because Zazie Beats is so good. I love her in that role, and I don't. It, it would it would be weird to like after such a great introduction in Deadpool 2 to do this whole movie without her as a part of it. Obviously, you know, Brolin and, and you know, people want that. I don't know if it is, if it truly is kills the Fox universe. Like I want to see, you know, I want to see James McAvoy just get torn apart. Uh, in oh the, no, I, I love, I love James McAvoy, with Professor like, X getting wrecked. I, I love James McAvoy's <laughs> Professor X. I just oh like, God. if we're going to do it, let's do it. You know, like, if we're going We've to do done it, it. Go all the way. How yeah. many times um, have we done it? You just said they're going to do it in the movie. So if like, we're going to do it. I know, it, gonna, I know, but it's just, everybody has a professor um, X death fetish and I just don't understand. I want, <laughs> I want uh, the little kid from uh, the little kid from project Adam in the movie. Um, just because <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, uh, as a tiny, uh, dead, like, a, like a kid Deadpool. Let's do that. <laughs> um, you know, cause it's the same director anyway. So who cares? Uh, you know, just, just throw anything at the wall, and I think it'll work in this. Uh, I feel like they have less room to play with because of the whole writer situation. They can't have an idea and decide, let's add this scene in. At least, theoretically, they can't do that. So 
um, you know, whatever they've got right now is, is what's supposed to be what ends up happening. Um, I don't know if anyone's on. They also, but yeah, I think it is going to be very much a cameo fest in this one, but also there's a couple newcomers to the cast, Emma Corrin and uh, Matthew McFaddy and my boy, Tom, Tom Wamsgams deserves the world's best character on succession. (laughs) Protect him. Uh, They're joining. I'm not familiar with Emma Corrin. Am I? Is any, she was on the crown. Yeah. They were on the crown and a couple of other things here and there. I'm very excited for whoever they will end up playing. Um, My thing with the whole Fox universe of it all, I I feel like that has to be the direction that they're going in because the more and more people that they bring back, I I cannot see Marvel being like, we are going to start our X-Men universe with all of these characters and all of these castings and age ranges that were already established in that point. I also think it's the thing we've talked about on the show of like getting into the multiverse saga. We have yet to be attached to a multiverse that has died or been killed off. So I think if they played their cards right with this and they made it a really funny but kind of emotional thing, that would be a way to kind of do that. But who knows at this point? Jenna, do you think this has any way to like end up introducing a, the at the end of the movie like the Marvel Universe version of the X Men? Do you think it's a possibility? I think we might get like something, but I don't mm. see them. I feel like they are still ironing out so many pieces of that. Like I'm sure, like knowing even just how protective they are about the Fantastic Four and how they're introducing them, I'm sure the X Men is that pressure times like a, a billion. So I could see us getting like some nuggets of what's going to come, but I don't see us like fully seeing what mutant dumb looks like until like after Secret Wars, probably. I just want to see Wade Wilson walk into Waystar Studios. <laughs> And uh, Tom's there, and he's just like, hi, Wade. Oh. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be Tom Wamsgans in the movie. I think he should be. I think <laughs> Warner Brothers should come I mean, that'd be, you're not going to hear me argue. Uh, but I, I just, unfortunately. Deadpool 3 is a secret sequel to the this, this final <laughs> season of Succession. As Jamie and I said on the show when, when he was originally cast, I just want them to make fun of the Pride and Prejudice like, handhold. Like, if they do something <laughs> with that, given the fact that he's in this movie, I will be so happy. <laughs> I, I'm I'd expect that more than I'd expect a Succession reference. From Ryan Reynolds. Oh, I like this theory. I like this theory. Kofi. Kofi. Yeah. Comic Book Nation's Kofi Outlaw says, Tom is totally a TVA <laughs> agent. I could see it. I could see it. And he gets to have an English accent too. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Oh, wow. Could you imagine like that Tom voice and, and, and movement with Owen Wilson? It'd just be like, wow. Yeah. Mobius. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 the impression train has to end here. Aaron, take us, take us to the next step of the show. Okay, Uh, so we got more Venom 3 news. We got uh, cinematographer uh, Fabian Wagner of all the Snyder stuff fame. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful work. Um, We still don't know what the plot of this movie is. We know (laughs) the big homie Chi is going to be the bad guy. And wasn't there another casting, Jenna, recently? Uh, Juno Temple. Juno Temple, right. And so we have a whole bunch of really accomplished actors that we all really enjoy. Is Uh, the big homie Chi Chiwetel Ejiofor? Yes, yes. (laughs) <laughs> I know he was already in the MCU, and now with the the multiverse thing, that is that makes it kind of like. I mean, I'm sure it's just some casting, and it doesn't really matter at all. But yeah, just, because it's Marvel, it's worth thinking about. You know, like yeah, I just didn't know Aaron and Chi, Chi were that close. I, <laughs> I talked to Chuck Woody yesterday last week and asked him for his number, and now yeah. we're friends. Now we're bros, apparently. Uh, oh, I love it. How do you guys feel about like they're building up quite a? quite a register of talent for Venom 3. 
Venom 3 is getting all the right pieces. Venom 3 is getting all the right pieces except it's preceding movies to make me believe. <laughs> I was just about to say, you're Charlie Brown with the football. of like You're building up your hope again, and then something with this movie will inevitably disappoint you. I am very happy. I think this movie is going to look beautiful, which is just a win in and of itself, but I this I don't even know what the plot could be. I, I'm here either way. I, I think it'll just be ridiculous. And, you know, it's really cool. It's uh, someone as experienced as Fabian Wagner is involved. Like, we all have very different feelings about the Snyderverse. But I think the one thing everyone can agree on is that they look, those movies look phenomenal, mm-hmm. regardless of how I the do. plot works out. They're also quite good, but. They look when, very when good. When they're, <laughs> um, they're quite good. Fabian, uh, Fabian Wagner is very, very good at what he does. Um, that's true. And that's all I have to say. Uh, but it, it's nice that, you know, Kelly Marcel is a first-time featured director. Like, this is her her directorial debut. And so Fabian Wagner being really experienced and having so, you know, I, I think that's a really great pairing. Like, she has someone that she can ask questions, you know, and and work with and, and learn from who has done these big projects before and, like, make that easier for her to actually focus on creative decisions. Um, and and I, I think it's a really, really smart pairing to have someone experienced with someone one pretty new. Um, and I'm just, you know, everyone involved in this movie, Juno Temple, like we're almost done with Ted Lasso. So seeing Juno Temple, you know, get to do something after watching the last 12 episodes of her getting to do nothing uh, has been, it's its really, really exciting news. So I've just been burned too many times to give a shit. Like, I just, I'm not going to lie. I want it to be good. I'm going to watch it. I just think that like, I bought into Morbius so hard. I was the Morbius <laughs> defender. So I, I refuse to get excited for one of these until they... Until they actually stop making me look dumb. I, 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 mean, love I like Charlie's long-winded, beautiful gowns, beautiful gowns in respect to the entire <laughs> the entire Snyderverse. Yeah, funny. Yeah, but it'll look nice. There you yes. go. It'll look great. Yeah. All right, let's keep it moving here. Um, so Lulu Wilson, who is an actress who has been in Annabelle Creation and Haunting of Hill House, uh, spoke to our very own Chris Killian about uh, her role in the Becky franchise and also revealed that she was supposed to play Donna Strange, who is Stephen Strange's younger sister, in deleted scenes of Doctor Strange. And so she said, I died and that's the whole thing because Donna Strange is dead and Doctor Strange is like, my sister is dead. So I died and remember being a little bit pissed because come on, that would have been a good moment and would have been good for me. I remember in Multiverse of Madness, they did reference Donna. Um, if like if you're not familiar with the comics, she basically dies in like she falls in a frozen lake and dies when she and Steve and her kids, and it's like this huge traumatic moment for him. Um, so I'm I'm sad knowing that we could have gotten to see that, mm-hmm. but I get why we didn't. But what do you guys think about it? I have I have two thoughts on this real quick. The first one is the the part of the quote that preceded that that wasn't in our rundown was that she said, I'm not going to say what happens. And then she directly <laughs> follows that by saying I died. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, okay, so you are going to say what happens. Uh, but I, I mean, this was referenced in Multiverse of Madness. The sister was referenced. I, I, I just wish they'd de- release all the deleted scenes, especially for like this and like Thor Love and Thunder. I think we hear so many times about these deleted scenes that seemingly would make movies better. And I like the first Doctor Strange quite a bit. Uh, do we count deleted scenes as canon? Or do you go, or do, or do we count? I these? think that's why they don't release them with Marvel <laughs> movies. Because, yeah. well, because there's going to be arguments of whether things count and whether they don't. And people are going to oh, get they mad want the arguments. You think like, they want us to argue? No, I think they don't. I think they don't want us to leave it alone. Like, hey, we cut this for a reason. Go away. Um, <laughs> is what I think the attitude they want to have is. So, I don't know. I, I, it makes sense why they don't. I also wish they would release more because I feel like every single one of these movies has, has that something really great that they filmed that we didn't get to see. 
um, most movies, there's always good stuff left on the cutting room floor. Um, and, yeah. you know, kind of, I wish we had the whole alternate version of Morbius that existed. <laughs> um, but we don't. So, you know, we just got to deal with what we have. And there's so... There's so many deleted scenes and storyboards from freaking Multiverse of Madness that there's mm-hmm. like another movie yeah. that exists somewhere. Like, I don't uh, know. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, the Multiverse of Madness that we got. Um, I'm in my, I'm just, I'm in, I, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just hating on everything today. I'm sorry. I'm just I, trying to bring some debate. I, how am I the know? positive one? <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Charlie's bringing it out. Charlie's bringing it out. I will say with like the deleted scene debate, like it is interesting seeing like what they put time and money and resources into that like we still don't end up getting. Like I remember the alternate death scene on Vormir where uh, Clint dies instead of Natasha. And it was like, wow, they put like a lot of effort into this thing that we never had in the movie at all. And they just didn't decide that until the editing phase. So I... It's always this double-edged sword with deleted scenes. I know Patrick Cavanaugh at our website wrote an article like years ago that was basically like delete or concept art is not deleted scenes. Like that is not canon. That does not mean you were robbed of anything. Right, but it, it, right. it's always interesting to just kind of see what could have been. Sure. They spent a lot of money trying to make it so that Tom Holland would be confused so he could <laughs> tell us what the fuck was going to happen. You yeah. know what I mean? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, just not going to tell us. So we need to film a yeah. wedding. We need to film a death. We need yeah. to, one of them to fall off. We need this one to fall off. It, we need, it's like a, we need to come back to the Fez. We need all of it. <laughs> when Walking Dead filmed Negan killing basically every single person in the cast yeah. so that none of the leaks That's like got when out. Glenn went under the dumpster and then they were like, well, you know, <laughs> maybe he's... Well, I remember uh, I, I first started working at that and we, you and I watched, Brandon, a scene of like Maggie getting killed. Like we... Like, yeah, at least the night before it. it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that didn't happen in the show at all. But well, that, I remember the special that too, effects and everything. Oh my gosh, back then me and Charlie were so dialed into Walking Dead coverage. I knew with certainty that Glenn and Abraham died. Like I knew that for months. I knew that. And then the night before, so we had this whole show. We used to do a show called After the Dead. Me and Janelle used to. So Charlie, were you still doing it at that point? Were you doing After the Dead with me? Yeah, this was before that because this was, I came home a day early from my oh. honeymoon because Glenn was going to kill somebody. Because uh, Negan well, was so, going to kill somebody. Bro, what? So, wow. we did, so, but we did this whole interview. We had like a, we had I an j- interview with Austin Amelio who plays Dwight on The Walking Dead. And in that, like, I just kind of did the thing where like, I, I, I acted like I knew what I was talking about. And I was, I mean, I'm 99.9% sure it was Glenn and Abraham. I was plugged into The Walking Dead more than I ever wanted to be. So we had like the first interview, the first actor talking about these deaths because I referenced them and Austin talked back because he like trusted that I knew what I was talking about. And I knew The Walking Dead actors and we were all pretty close. And the night before, so we had this whole show in the can, like we had this interview in the can talking about Glenn and Abraham. The night before, this potato quality footage of Maggie getting killed by Negan leaks online. And I'm like, yo, we have this whole show talking about Glenn and Abraham. Like, what is this? Why does this exist? And I, I at like 11 o'clock at night, se- seven years ago, I went into like panic mode. But that's a, that's a story for another podcast. Yeah, uh, they, but they yeah, went through I, the trouble of filming all of it. All that to say, just to mess with all these fake things are, are filmed and I guess they ain't canon. I answered yeah. my own question. All right, we got to keep it moving here before we take yeah, a quick wait, break. Can I, can I, ch- can oh, I oh, shout no, out? No, Aaron. No, you no, can't. I'm just kidding. No, I'm, just, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Dude, I'm just on the hater train today. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> I like to shout out everything always in the chat. What's going on, man? We watch, well, I watch your videos. Oh, I, I am I Fires see. is here? Yeah. Michael? Yeah. Wow. What's going on? Glad I to see, have yeah, you. I am Fires rehearsals going down. <laughs> I am all Fires. one. 
I yes, am. Listen, always. It's that kind of it's that kind of Wednesday. It's that Charlie. kind of Wednesday. Take us away. All right, all right. <laughs> so, uh, Guardians Three has come and is still doing well at the box office, which is awesome. We all, I think, love it. Um, we learned this week from you know because James Gunn just says everything. Um, he revealed this week. <laughs> That Gamora, there was a there was a, a version of the script that he just left Gamora out entirely. Um, that Gamora did not come back and was not a part of this. Um, and I'll just read the quote real quick. He said, That was a possibility. Peter would be dealing with her loss, but she wouldn't come back and confront him in this different way. I toyed with it a lot as I was writing the script. It's something we do a lot in relationships anyway. We expect someone who reminds us of somebody from the past to be that somebody from the past. Especially with women, Peter Quill defines people around him to suit his own needs as opposed to really looking and seeing who they actually are as human beings. And Gamora is just not the same Gamora. She's a different person. Um, Based on what he said, and when you watch them and know in the context of the movie, I'm so, so glad that she was in the movie. I think it did so much for Peter as a character, so much for Gamora as a character. You know, they had a, it wasn't just like, oh, she's here so he can be sad. Like they both had a real genuine arc and story because of, you know, that relationship. And so I think all of us have been through where we have a person from a past part of our lives and we have different feelings about as we get older and, it, it really, I think their relationship spoke to a lot of us in a lot of different ways. And I'm just, I'm really, really glad we got the version of their story that we got in, in the final film. What do you guys think? I completely agree. I think like, I know Jamie and I have talked on the show about just Alt Gamora and how much like narrative potential there was with her. I think like this kind of story of losing the love of your life happens all the time in media, but we don't get this exact version of it, of him processing the grief and the trauma and just like having acceptance with it. We don't get anything like that, like a, a lot. And so I think the way that they did it and the opportunity that they had with it, I think also if you hadn't had Gamora in this movie at all, something would have been missing. Like it, it felt mm -hmm. right when this is this one song to have everybody there in one way or another. I can uh, see it both ways. I can see it both ways. I think this could have been a good movie with or without Gamora. And it seems like James Gunn always plans this movie without Gamora. I love, I love what ended up happening. Like the, you know, I, I, for people who haven't seen the movie yet, I'm just going to keep the spoilers to myself, but the line at the end of the movie that sort of thing. Like it really is a nice heartfelt touch that adds to the emotional depth of this film, but I can really see this movie going both ways. And I think that's the way James Gunn planned it. Because if you watch the interview we did, he says that he planned on killing Gamora in volume two. He got talked out of it by the Marvel execs and ended up do using Yondu instead. And then Gamora dies in infinity war. So it seems like one way or another, Gamora was destined to not be a part of volume three. And Peter was destined to be dealing with that kind of trauma uh, or grief uh, in volume three. But I think that her, her role in volume three as I, when the when the multiverse or timelines or whatever brings back a dead character, I feel like it's always kind of like, oh gosh, this is gonna like you could ruin this. This could be an easy way back, and they didn't at all take the easy way. They really mm -hmm. took an unexpected way, which I appreciated. So it worked for me, but I could I could see it working either way because I think that gun always had that plan. And if she didn't come back and they didn't have that closure, we wouldn't be set up perfectly for the legendary Star Lord arc and the Kitty Pride romance that we really all want to see. Yeah, and then Nova and Gamora. Uh, it's about time that <laughs> Richard Ryder comes along and gets the girl. Let's go. You all, re you all read the Annihilation comic. You know what happens there. Mm -mm -mm. Space uh, cowboy. A bunch <laughs> of very, very different agendas. Yes. Dancing in the right. background of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Gamora. Um, nobody, nobody once considered what Gamora wants. That's true. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, does she want Richard but Ryder? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now, who wouldn't want Rich? You know, who wouldn't want Rich? 
you know. <laughs> come on. All right. All right, we're going to take a quick one-minute break. we come back, we got to talk about Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, and maybe a little bit about Secret Wars with some of the stuff that's going on. So uh, we'll see you in 60 seconds, everybody. Welcome back to Phase Zero, Season 3, Episode 21. we got to talk about the Avengers movies right now. Uh, there was a report that came out uh, from Joanna Robinson from uh, The Ring, who, if you're questioning Joanna's credibility, let's preface this with Joanna wrote an entire book about the history of the MCU and knows a lot of people who know a lot of things. Uh, so Joanna is also like one of the best podcasters. So put some respect on Joanna's name if you haven't already. Not that anybody has it, but I just wanted to say like this, this seems like it's coming from a credible place. Uh, this, was, this is what Joanna Robinson said recently. I was told by someone who works for Marvel, it was not the plan to make Kang the center of everything until they saw dailies from Quantumania and after his performance in Loki, which was so strong, they were like, this is it, this is our way forward. We've lost our varsity hero team, but let's set up around this guy, Kang, and this performer that so many people are reacting to. We know this is a huge problem for them that they are facing and grappling with right now. And what's unprecedented in this for Marvel is, I would argue, they never, uh, they have never hung so much of a franchise on one actor as they tried to hang it on Jonathan Majors after his Loki performance and his Ant-Man Quantumania performance. I would argue more than Downey as Iron Man, more than Brolin as Thanos, that uh, that hanging everything on this guy is uh, is then going to pop up in all their properties leading up to the something called the Kang Dynasty has put them in a very unusual position. They don't usually hang this much on one person in the way they did here, and that has put them in the bind. We do not know what they're going to do. I've, I've heard conflicting stories about uh, they're going to replace him. They're not considering a place of et cetera, et cetera, but it's just one. Thing. Um, I'll make sure that, I, yeah, that came from the ringers, big picture, picture podcast. Um, so I, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is like, I mean, all we can do is speculate. Uh, but I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad I'm not at the head of that table right now. Uh, that's all. I mean, like, I don't know what they're going to do. If, you know, if this stuff, about Jonathan Majors turns out to be true. It's pretty obvious what they have to do. It's not an easy thing to do. You bet. You bet. They bet. They they apparently saw Jonathan Majors work and said, "We got to bet a bit. We're going to bet a billion dollar franchise on this guy." And now that in in the in the most unforeseeable way, presumably, that bet is uh, exactly that. It's a gamble. It's crazy. I don't know. Which, in, in, if you rewind in in time, it doesn't feel like a gamble. It feels like. In a, a great like you, you watch him in the in Loki, in Quantumania, in every other film he's done, and you can you can fully understand being in a room and be like, "This is the guy." You watch his talent on the screen and say, "This is the guy." You can hang everything like we can build everything around this one dude. This is the potential return to the movie star. Like this is the guy. Then it's a different story because of what has happened in the time since then, and you can't hang everything on that guy anymore, regardless of what the talent is. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I don't have any advice for them. Or is, like, is, is uncharted territory. Like yeah. you have to do something because you can't the, just ignore this like and I, let it go. Yeah. I see comparisons already in the comment section to like Ezra Miller. And personally, I don't think Ezra Miller's sticking around either. I don't think, uh, I think that they know if they say Ezra Miller's out, that flash box office just dips the same way Shazam's got crashed and burned because people believed it was the end of the road. I don't think Chase Momoa is going to play Aquaman after Aquaman 2. I think if they don't say that's a trilogy, they know Aquaman 2 flops. 
I personally think that these that but that's a conversation for the DC and, side. Yeah, I, mean, I also think it's inherently different from having a movie that had mostly finished production and right. had already had so many stops and starts and delays and like there was so much mm -hmm. money poured into Flash that like there were reports that came out with that of like there was a no win scenario. You could either like continue to market the movie or whatever. Like I don't know. So I I, f I view that as completely different. I feel like the version of that we're going to get here is Loki season two of seeing how do they market it, how much is majors in it. What does this look like moving forward? I, I echo everything that's been said here. I feel like there there is no easy answer. I'm sure they are still figuring out the specifics of that answer. Um, it's just it it it's a bet that didn't ultimately pay off. And now who knows? I also think with the strike and everything else that's yeah. going on and potentially other strikes on top of that, this movie might be taking a little bit longer to even happen. And so I think that might ultimately help them at the end of the day because who knows when cameras are even going to start rolling. Yeah, you can't bring in, you know. Again, we're talking, we're talking about love, love this and stuff here in a minute, but you can't bring in the the architects of the franchise. I mean, Kevin Feige and his producers can sit in a room and talk about, hey, what should we do? But if you want to rework stuff leading up to the next Avengers saga, you can't bring in writers and have them pitch ideas and figure stuff out and try to chart, you know, a path forward. That can't happen right now. It's yeah. everything's in waiting. Again, legal wise with majors and everything happening there but then separate from that anyone who would be involved in the creative process of figuring out the future cannot be a part of that outside of again outside of you know feige the producers you know that's all that can happen so and it's going to be crazy to watch this unfold it's it's going to be it's going to be crazy to watch this unfold because something could i and i don't know the possible outcomes here i don't i really like there's just it's beyond my ability to comprehend what could what should happen here because i wasn't there i don't really know this could be a thing where i don't know something could happen where jonathan majors goes to court and he's completely found innocent by a jury or whoever however it is determined and you're still forever going to have people online who will be uncomfortable watching jonathan majors act and will be uncomfortable with this based on what has been said uh and what he's been accused of and he could be, or he could be completely found guilty or proved on all of these horrible things that were said that he did. And then it's obvious, like, okay, well, we got to, we got to find somebody new. But it's also like he already filmed scenes for Loki. He might have already filmed scenes for other projects. It's just that I don't know if you're Marvel, how do you navigate this? But, I, and I also like, I wanted to just pose the question, like, what do you guys think when it comes time for Avengers to Kang Dynasty? Are we going to see Jonathan Majors in that movie? But I just feel like that would be an inappropriate thing to even speculate on. Like, cause I just, yeah. like, I, I, I we all have our thoughts on it. I don't think we have enough insight to 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 rule on that. And I don't like. I just I, I don't know. How, I, I, I don't I'll know how that we've seen Marvel in the past put a new actor in a role and not address it and just move forward with the plans they already had. Again, I'm not I'm not trying to speculate or say what we're going to yeah, do. That's that, that's there's that's a precedent true. for that in the franchise. Not it maybe as big of a role, but I mean. We have never addressed Edward Norton up until a joke in She-Hulk. We have never addressed that Edward Norton was in this franchise since, yeah. you know, since 2012. Uh, you know, Rhodey is is not the same Rhodey that we started with. <laughs> and we haven't talked about that. It. He's just, this is the Rhodey that we have. And yeah. it's fine. And I think ultimately, you know, there are smart people that are making decisions and I hope they make smart decisions because they have in the past. Uh, and I'm I'm hopeful that they do the right things. And I'm not even sure what those are at this exact moment. But um, yeah. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm just I'm hopeful the right choices win out at the end of this this situation. Yeah, yeah. 
I want to hear what Aaron has to say. I'm sure. I I, I come from a sports writing background, so I like do, do you you counting on the legal system to give you some sort of clarity on what the heck we're all supposed to do? I, Good luck. Um, I really don't know what's gonna happen. I know this. Loki season two is coming out the way it was filmed. Like we're yep. not. This is not WB. I'll tell you what, not though, I would not be shocked if they cut down a couple things. Mm-hmm. That, maybe, but also like I, I, Bob doesn't strike me as the like we gonna throw another hundred million dollars at this thing to save this boat like that they did with the Flash yeah. and what they did for Snyder, which is amazing to me. Every day that me and Russ Burlingame talk about how much extra money they gave him to finish that movie, I'm like, oh my god! Like Bob, I have a stroke. Bob Tapek would be like, I have trap doors under all your seats. If it's not done in 15 minutes, you're gone. So I, I just think that we really do have to wait. I know that the American populace and like the world populace, uh, they got memories like goldfish. Like, I, it, it's hard to say. It's hard to, to really say what's going to happen. Also, Jenna, you know, we joke around all the time until these movies get trailers and yep. like real stuff. They just not real. So yeah. like, Secret Wars is I don't know how many yeah. years away. I don't know how many years King Dynasty is away, especially like the strike. I hadn't even thought about that until you guys brought it up. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, it could like, be we know Loki's line. happening, but that's it. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's in that. I can't imagine he pops up in anything else. I don't know. But like, I can't imagine anything, he pops up anything else, else that he would be. in. I feel like hasn't filmed yet. Like, yeah. really, like the most logistical. The yeah. Like the most logical thing would be like, oh, he might be in Fantastic Four. But it's like cameras aren't even rolling on that until early next year. So I I feel like they have time to still make this decision. But it is this thing of like the longer that they wait, the more complicated that decision becomes. And also, let's let's be real about this. Ant-Man Quantumania was reshooting scenes right up until release. Yeah. Like until a month, but, like they filmed the ending of that movie in January. Yeah. I'm not saying you can, ch- I'm not, no, I'm not saying they're going to go change a bunch of Loki. I don't think Loki's going to get a whole reshoot overhaul. I'm just saying like, say they wanted to have Kang in Deadpool three, that movie does not come out until what? September, 2024. Am I yeah, off a little bit like pretty that. far? Yeah. So if they want to include Kang, they can wait until they have a decision and then they can say, okay, well let's go throw this. But then it would be a weird thing where if it's a cameo from a Kang, the audience would be kind of confused. I think where it's like, hold on, that's not the same guy. So I don't know. It's going to be real tricky. I think uh, it's going to be an interesting few months of following this. And I'm pretty sure Kang dynasty was supposed to start filming in the spring of 24. So we'll see if that holds up. Uh, yeah, and- that's all the whole writer's strike is until everything anyway. And so that might, it's not a blessing in disguise, but like, if they I, needed I, more time to be bought right. in a natural way, that time has been bought. Yeah. The writer's strike hopefully will be good for the writers, but I also think the writer's strike hopefully will be good for the Marvel Cinematic Universe because this franchise needed to slow down. Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars being announced for 25. First of all, both being announced for 25 was crazy, but I still feel like 25, that's literally, wait, Kang Dynasty is supposed to be like two years away now. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane, bro. We yeah. don't need it yet. We don't need it yet. Listen, I love the MCU. I want to love the MCU even more than I do right now, if I'm being honest about it. I used to love the MCU more. I still am going to watch everything the MCU puts out. I'm still going to enjoy, find the things I like in it. And some of it I'm going to love. Guardians 3, Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, WandaVision, Loki. There are so many things in Phase 4 and 5 so far that I have really enjoyed. There are things I haven't. And I have felt like I have, in, in, this, in, in this multiverse saga... I have felt, you know, I haven't been shy about it. I haven't been as into it as I was before because some of the stuff isn't hooking me the way it did before. I'm still into it. I'm still loving, you know, watching Marvel content on day one and I can't wait to get my eyes on everything. But I do feel like 
a slowdown, a step back. Uh, hey, let's let's recalibrate. Let's make sure we're doing this to the best of our ability when we should be doing it when the time is right is the move. And I hope that that's what happens here. I don't even know where that came from. Come on back in October, <laughs> but when we yeah. actually know something else. Yeah, that's true. Did. Yeah, exactly. That's true. And also, like, if people are going to be like, oh, BDHGMC, like, shut up. No, I don't. I'm very excited <laughs> for all this stuff. I just am being realistic. I, you know, I'm, I feel like losing Iron Man and Captain America was obviously a big blow to me. Losing Black Widow, like a lot of the Infinity Saga characters that I cared so much about are gone. And I haven't felt like the Multiverse Saga has replaced them for me yet. Shang-Chi is a huge favorite of mine. I can't wait to see him again. But I, you know, that, that dynamic between Steve Rogers and Tony Stark and that kind of stuff isn't there for me yet. Looking forward to Thanos was something that was so exciting to me. And I'm not looking forward to Kang in the same way. So I think even, even prior to all this mess that we're talking about, Kang did not feel the same as far as the excitement and the buildup at the 100%. start. You know, the first two times we saw Thanos, it was like, oh my God. Oh my yeah, God. Every, what is this? Like, yeah. And it was like, oh. But what okay. could have possibly happened in the real world that would have denied you yeah. the ability to feel joy about anything? Like, why yeah. were we all inside <laughs> eating ice cream and getting fat for two years? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I've been getting I fat for way longer than two that, years, Eric. Oh, okay. I must say, we do have a lot of talks about Nashville Hot Chicken, me and Charlie Ridgely. <laughs> comic Book Food Podcast with me, Charlie, uh, Spencer, and Adam coming up soon. And Nicole yeah. tasting, like, mayo ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> like I just I don't know I, for me I still think that is because the funny thing Brandon and you know we cannot talk about it <laughs> the Spider-Verse podcast we're gonna Yo. talk about it oh, we're gonna I, talk I, about it all you well, multiverse is like not okay mm. all right yeah we'll see all how I'm y'all saying. feel on June 2nd <sighs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll say this I won't say it about the Spider-Verse I won't weigh in because I'm not allowed to yet but I've seen The Flash other people, I've seen everything everywhere all at once. Other franchises and other people are doing the multiverse better than the MCU. Wow. I mean, I fully I haven't believe seen the Flash. That. Everybody <laughs> is. Like, I mean, maybe not everybody, but all the recent stuff I've seen is doing the multiverse more interestingly, more visually, and impressively. Of, of the recent stuff, not to say anything bad about anything else, but of the recent Marvel stuff, to me, the best thing's been Guardians. And I know people have different opinions, but I think Guardians is pretty universally loved. Yeah, that movie was very self-contained. Yes, it was yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Oh, now we're setting up this, or now there's other. Like it was very much this one thing that we're focusing on. You know, the multiverse has uh, been Black a Widow was a movie that was very so far. focused. Yeah. It's um, been merely a gimmick for the MCU so far. Like I wrote, I wrote a piece last week about that, and in relation to Guardians and how self-contained Guardians feels, and how refreshing that is by comparison, and how it just kind of like it feels like the MCU that we used to have, and we've now evolved into something else outside of the Guardians movies, and that's okay, and there are good things within that, but there are also problems within that, and I also I think it's the thing of like the multiverse saga has been so much homework thus far, like you have to do so much extra watching, extra knowledge, extra reading for all intents and purposes. And the payoff is not there yet, either emotionally or narratively. And so I I think like everything BD has said, I agree with. I also think you can love something and be critical of it. Like you don't yeah, have to just blindly right. love it. So I, I think at the end of the day, if these movies get delayed, which feels like a matter of time, that's ultimately going to be for the best. Uh, all I want to say is a little behind the curtain is that Jenna was the 100% proponent of all this DC stuff. We just make movies and there's not an overarching plan. And Zaslav came in in four seconds and like got rid of that. 
So if you can get it from however you can, Jen is all about that. So yes. that is probably a part of that as well. I, I am excited to see what Blue Beetle looks like. That doesn't yeah. look like it has anything to do with anything else. Um, I hope that movie does well. I mean, I don't really have a problem, but obviously all this year about the movies, they're never going to do just self-contained stuff after the payoff of Secret Wars is out there. Like, we, we are part of the problem. I'm yeah. me. I'm the problem. <laughs> I asked about Secret Wars and Kang and stuff to every person we talked to. So does Brandon. So does Charlie. So does Jenna. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, we all kind of pump faked our way into this. Like, I don't know why all this stuff about, oh man, no, now, I, other than the environmental factors outside of the world of the film that seem to have dulled people's excitement for basically everything. I don't know. All right, we got a couple more topics we got to get to, and then we have a, a, a Aaron's interview at the end of the show. So let's run through. Jenna, I actually, I, I I just realized I just started talking when we came back from the yeah. break. Uh, that was definitely your your bit to tee up. That's my yeah. Bad. Aaron and I were messaging. And we're like, okay, I guess I'm not doing that story. No worries. That's um, totally my bad. That's totally um, my bad. I can do this next one, I guess, to just make up sure, for yeah, it. So, sure, uh, Roxxon Corp has been spotted on the set of Captain America Four. Uh, that is a corporation and a company that is all over the Marvel universe and all over Marvel content. Um, it is in Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Iron Man Three, Loki, and the Netflix shows. I know it was in cloak and dagger for a little bit so we're getting more connectivity there so what do you guys think about that i mean let me tell you i made a joke about cloak and dagger over the weekend it, it just popped up with some of this multiverse crap and how excited i'd be me and the five of us that watched all free <laughs> we'd be yeah. ecstatic yeah charlie you there cloak and dagger was the best i mean i like this is something that like kids if <laughs> I would see the kids from Cloak and Dagger, and they'd be like, "Come, Charlie, we say hi." <laughs> I got a video. It was it was Infinity War. You were at the premiere of Infinity War, and you sent me a video. And all of a sudden, the whole cast of Cloak and Dagger was like yelling at me through a phone. It was, it was the coolest, most surreal thing ever. Wow! Uh, that Cloak and Dagger was an awesome show, and made by awesome people. That it was. I, I really, really loved, and I wish that we got more of that because, like, I'm sure Anne was getting at it. Uh, it had way more to say than here's the comic book movie. Uh, it was awesome. Aaron, continue. Okay. I was just saying, like, the Roxxon thing is cool, but I would like to see it actually do something. Like, yeah. actually be, like, a thing. Because, like, it's one of those things, like, Oscorp that we just don't have in MCU that it's like, what? See, that's where I'm re That's where I'm willing to, like, go with y'all. So it's like, uh -huh. I'm like, I am Ultimate Spider-Man reader, and Roxxon is huge in all of the Bendis and Pacelli stuff from early in that. So I was like, oh, nice. cool. That would be amazing. You know? It has the energy of when the Arrowverse shows on the CW would throw in Cord Industries everywhere. Like they tried to get Ted Cord oh on the God. show and it never happened. But every single time that they threw in Cord Industries, it was like, you're showing me a thing that I can't have. And that was always just kind of a bummer. So I feel like Roxxon's like that right for me, but it. I want to see them do something. You guys, let's circle it all back here. Tom Wamsgams is the CEO of Roxxon <laughs> <laughs> in Deadpool 3. <laughs> You heard it no, here. Alexander Skarsgård is yeah. the CEO yeah. of Roxxon in Deadpool maybe, 3. Maybe. Maybe. It's all connected. Oh, man. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. And all, and, or Striker from X2, <laughs> Brian Cox, is the CEO of Roxxon. <laughs> oh, my God. And Matthew McFadden is coming for the throne. If they oh, really are killing the Fox universe, if Brian Cox is in that movie. <laughs> oh, my God. This is, uh, this is phase zero powered by succession theories. <laughs> uh, uh, one quick note because we got to keep moving real quick. Agatha Coven of Chaos. This was just a fun thing I saw. They have logos on set that say Darkhold Diaries. 
in the in the in the logo design of Princess Diaries. So that's a fun thing. I don't know if you guys saw that, but I, I that Princess Diaries was like my first favorite movie as a kid. Like I, it was literally when I got grounded. My punishment was I couldn't watch that movie for the rest of the day because I wow. loved it so much. Um, I was so happy when I saw that this logo. I I hope that they do the Wandavision kind of thing of like parodying the movies, but like even if we don't, that logo is just very cool. So. I mean, yeah, that, that show. So we got Jamie. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Are we other... legally want to talk about this when Jamie's not here? I know. Yeah, right. It doesn't then... feel right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sit right on my spirit. Uh, also doesn't sit right on my spirit is Ironheart being pushed to debut in 2024. Hold your head, Dominique. One day we're going to get to see you put on the other version, like other versions of this suit. Um, so that comes from Variety. And they say that in 2023, we still got Spider-Verse, Loki Season 2, The Marvels, Echo, Secret Invasion, and of course, Brandon's most anticipated, Craven the Hunter. Of course. Craven's going to whip. Craven's going to whip. I, also, I saw, um, saw X-Men 97 was still part of some speculation for this year. I can tell you right now, I, I'm very confident that show. I have very good reason to believe that show is not coming this year. I would say it's about a year away, though. So, yeah. 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 That's, I'll tell you right now, X-Men 97, not going to be 2023. Mm-hmm. So... Take Maybe it's a good thing though, because I think they're kind of they're kind of screwing Echo a little bit. Yes, and Oof. I'm hoping a little maybe bit. Iron, maybe <laughs> by, by debuting later, Ironheart's going to get a better treatment than Echo is. Uh, yeah. yeah, I hate that for Echo, but I'm just I'm hopeful maybe we'll at least not run into that again with another show that deserves better. Um, Echo is going to be really exciting, and we're all going to have to watch it in good. one day. Yeah, um, I hope it's good, and that sucks. I mean, Anthony Ramos is in it, and that's or is he? You no, know, he's in Ironheart. He's in Ironheart. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things in production for Marvel, and I've gotten a lot of them confused <laughs> in my brain. I'll tell you um, what right now. I'm going to be sitting on the time. panel with Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio this weekend. You can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to be asking them, what would you like to film Echo? What's going on? Is the Jessica Jones rumor true? All right. Uh, <laughs> and then you just get yanked off the stage. like with the- <laughs> <laughs> Fucky himself yeah. yeah. into yeah. the skylight and takes me to abducts Brandon. <laughs> this yeah. is why this guy doesn't host Hall H. Uh, all right. So we're going to we're gonna uh, wrap this up. Uh, this is where our live portion of the show is going to end. So we're going to see our farewells here. So I'm going to let Aaron send us out because we're going to take a one minute break. We come back. We have some special for you. I'm going to let Aaron tell you about it. And I hope you guys enjoy. Hey, guys. So uh, I got the chance. Uh, shout out to Sony Pictures Animation to go and talk to Joaquin DeSantos, Justin K. Thompson, and Kim Powers about the lovely Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We talked about different characters. We talked about Miles' journey, how unique of a Spider-Man he is. And I had to ask some questions so that jail, sk- jail cell Jim Biscari did not fire me. So look for that at the end. Um, I really had fun. You guys will have a lot of fun with the movie. Uh, am I allowed to talk about next week, Brady? Am I? No. What's next week? Is it? Is oh, that, is yeah. It? What you're oh. doing on Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I will be on the red carpet for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, hopefully talking to Oscar Isaac just for Layla and talking <laughs> to, to Kaluuya and bothering him and bothering all the people who are in the MCU and ask them what's going on. Maybe I'll get some answers from Haley Steinfeld. Maybe I'll get abducted by Kevin Feige <laughs> off the carpet. You have to tune in to find out. But thank you guys for joining us. It's been wonderful. Um, Jenna, Charlie, they get to say goodbyes. Yeah, real quick, let's, let's say our send-offs here, and uh, we'll tee up this one-minute break. Yeah, okay. um, it's at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn on social medias. Uh, go watch The Little Mermaid this weekend. I wrote the review for the website. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know not everybody did, but I, I definitely think it's one of the better live-action remakes, and it definitely deserves to be seen in a theater, so go check it out. My girl could sing. Mm-hmm. Eh. The soundtrack's great. I haven't seen the movie, but I, I did enjoy the soundtrack. It's I'm glad to be back here for talking movies this weekend. The Machine also comes out in theaters this weekend. Uh, you know, written by 
the wonderful Kevin Beigel. So uh, if you need something after watching Little Mermaid that's a little more uh, grown up and crazy, The Machine's also out this weekend. So go support a small, ridiculous action film uh, so we get more small, ridiculous action films all through every summer because they're the best kind of summer movie. And uh, yeah, that's it for me. I mean, subscribe to Phase Zero for the uh, reactions tonight and for Aaron's interviews next week. And we actually, there was no Spider-Verse trivia that I mentioned last week. That was a lie. We actually introduced a few fans to Haley Steinfeld and Shamik Moore over Zoom. And that video is awesome. And it's going to be up next week on the Phase Zero channel on YouTube. So I hope you guys enjoy that. And uh, I realized we didn't even talk about Jeff Loveness possibly not writing the Avengers movies. So that's something to chew on for next week. We'll come back to that. Uh, All right, guys. Enjoy Aaron's interview, and we'll see you next week. Enjoy a one-minute break, and then the directors of Spider-Verse are here. See you. So I wanted to start with asking a question, uh, probably for you, Kip, because you've been around for a long time on this project. What made you guys think about, when did you guys start thinking about continuing Miles' story? Actually, um, that's a good, Justin worked on the first Into the Spider-Verse, so mm-hmm, he's yeah. the best one to answer that one because he's the only one of the three of us who worked on the first film. First film. Um, yeah, so I was a production designer on the first film and, and it's cool to be um, now as director and sharing that role with 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 these two amazing gentlemen, um, I think when the first film when we were making that um, Miles's journey, uh, My- Miles Miles is a character. He's so awesome because he is different from all the other spiders. He's different from Peter Parker and this idea of all these other superheroes because he's got a family that supports him, that loves him, and that he cares about. And you see that he became Spider-Man as part of a team. And then now, a year and a half later, we see that that team is gone. He's kind of alone. It's He's 15. He's starting to try. He wants to move away from under his parents, like, you know, control a little bit and go find and go and he wonders where Gwen is. And so I think we were kind of excited about this idea. You know, we all have children and and we all have dealt with at, at various times in our lives. And we're dealing with now, like the idea of when your kid starts moving away from you and you want to protect them and keep them safe and you want to keep them under your wing because there's so many dangers out there you wish you could protect them from. And that's really what this movie became like the heart of this movie. And and we really kind of knew that to just take Miles' journey from the first step where we introduced him and then now to this, that was really the big thing. Yeah. I got I got a strong parenting vibe from the movie. I cried like twice. Rio <laughs> and, and the captain got me yeah. multiple times, and I felt like it was coming, and it still just absolutely gutted me. So, um, with with Miles spreading his wings, you when you mentioned that how unique he is, Joaquin, can you talk about also Gwen's pretty unique too among the Spider People. She's not <laughs> like yeah. I, I was amused at how different they both are. I think the cool thing is that you know uh, Gwen both sort of serves as this like mirror to Miles for this like possibility. She's sort of this like Mm. guard against Mm -hmm. maybe keeping things so open uh, with your family uh, and what, you know, what that means. But I think the cool thing too is that 
Even in the first film, she was incredibly capable. She's even more, more so in this one. She has a moment with Miles where she's sort of like, like, can you hang? And Miles can hang mm -hmm. now. And she's like, dude, you're, you're like growing up. You're changing. Um, so it's, it's fun to have, you know, a character that can, that can provide a little bit of, of, you know, hey, what does the next year of my life look like? What, I had the experience where, you know, a few of my friends went off to college and were having these experiences that I just wasn't having growing up. And they came back and they were like, different. They had, they had a whole different life's experience that I was like, sort of trying to, trying to approximate. And things were just a little different when, they, when we came back. It eventually all evened out and all those insecurities that bubbled up. Gwen sort of represents a bit of that for Miles. So I, I can't help, but I'm going to just mention it because I've seen it in the marketing. She's wearing different shoes. Like yeah. what you just described sounds a lot like one of our uh, spider variants in this, like spider punk. <laughs> it sounds a lot like Hobie, um, which a lot of us have been waiting forever to see on screen. So thank you. Thank you. I never thought I'd see it on screen yeah. when I was a little kid watching on like Wikipedia as a high school kid. I'm like, never, never going to happen. It won't happen. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Um, that's so awesome. with with this idea of differences and like changing and growing, I did want to ask a question about the soundtrack too, because you guys brought Metro in here. Yes. And woo, the fire. <laughs> it also is delightful to see it sort of have like, I don't know if you guys have heard or seen any of the fans. There is like a whole sort of subgenre that is wrote, blown up after Spider-Verse of like, almost like sunflower core that mm. sort of easygoing oh, like yeah. electronic influence stuff and it feels like metro's contributions add to the canon i guess if that if that's a thing yeah i mean what look when you first when we talk about music not just metro we got to talk about daniel pemberton who oh, yeah, that's right, scored the first film and honestly knocked it out of the park yet again on on this film yeah, yeah. and you know we we brought Metro in, and it was great. I remember the day we brought Metro in um, with the idea of executive producing this soundtrack, and we showed him a couple of scenes from the film. And we actually showed him the scene, um, we basically showed him Miles at the barbecue getting grounded, going to his room. And that was kind of what we showed, and and you know Metro started talking about his family, <laughs> you know, and and that really drew him into this. And what's exciting about having an artist like that, who's just like one of the most incredible producers, he works with such a variety of different artists. Like I'll be perfectly honest, I'm of a certain age where my musical tastes lean into more the what would be qualified as the old school hip hop. And for me, the first Spider Verse soundtrack, one of the things that was so cool about it, with not just Sunflower, but with a lot of it was that, you know, them reaching out and getting this younger generation, this more, this younger, exciting generation of, of artists who bring a different kind of emotion into their work. And Metro, what's great is that he's connected to both like the old, the current, and the new the new and future at the same time. You know, I'm a huge James Blake fan. Metro brings in James Blake, you know, and, and the song Hummingbird, you know, and, and it's just like, it's it's so, honestly, I, it's it's such, I, I love the soundtrack. Like, it's, it's funny because we don't actually have our physical copies of the soundtrack yet, but I've already got earworms because they haven't been printed up. But I've got these earworms where I just play the scenes from the movie again and again and again on the background because I'm liking some of the music so so much. But, you know, Metro said something really cool, which is that, like, he felt inspired to do a great album from the film that he saw. 
you know, yeah. and, and, and that's that's like the most flattering thing that, that a person could have said. But I can't wait for people to hear the, the whole album when it drops, because right through to the end credits, I was just like, this is great. <laughs> I saw some toes tap, some heads nod, and I was looking back yeah. when certain kneel drops happened. And I'm like, oh, it is fire. Everybody else is feeling this too. Yeah. All right. It's, um, it's great to get like Rock Kim up in there. You know what I mean? It's great. Yeah. It's, uh, we're leaning into the old school, too, but it's it's a it's a really great mixture. Yeah, I mean, I never thought I'd see a Spider-Man movie with like Future and Coyle Ray like singing. Like it's yeah. wild, insane, <laughs> fever dream. Um, awesome. The whole Spider-Verse aesthetic really feels like worlds melding. You've got like Spider-Man India in here, mm-hmm. Spire Society. You've got some other people that I can't mention. You've got a secret person playing uh, Spark- Scarlet Spider. Another thing that my bosses at comic book are very, very, very excited yeah. about. They're winning their entire <laughs> lives. They're like aging 90s comic book readers like we made it we did it we yeah. finally got it what about <laughs> right here right here yeah this guy, yeah. This guy. <laughs> putting on for us i appreciate it well i can ask you then what's how do you sift through all these years of spider-man continuity and pick out the elements of what's going to go where because it, it the trailer showed all the fans are excited about a different thing a different person, a different title being represented or a weird thing. Like some kid zoomed in and saw that there's like one of the Spider-Man popsicles chasing him during the <laughs> trailers. And we're like, what? Like, huh? <laughs> so how do you guys pick and choose what's it, what goes in and what does it? Well, I mean, I think that ultimately what we're really picking and choosing is that some of it is fun, sure, but the biggest thing that's driving it is Miles has this emotional journey that he's going on. He has this like emotional journey and what characters are going to best support that. And you know, he he's he's going to need somebody who's going to be this antagonist. He's going to need somebody who's going to be um, somebody who's encouraging him to make his own choices. He's going to need somebody who's and which spider people can like best represent that and yeah. who represent those ideals. Someone and you know and and, and so and then on top of that, we're also thinking about how can we embrace different cultures that haven't gotten enough representation on screen and really go deep on them like we did with Mumbatan. And really we invited like the whole crew to, we have Indian animators and visual development artists and, and character designers and, and writers that mm. were brought in to bring their experiences to it and make that real. So, and and the comic books that these Indian artists introduced us to that they grew up with helped influence the style of that world that we created. I mean, it was, yeah. it, it was just an idea first born out of what does Miles' journey need? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then second, how can we embrace what what is the purest and coolest version of that mm-hmm. and where does a character already exist in the canon and then when you get into like the cat and the dinosaur you know yeah like, yeah you know <laughs> and then you got like some of it is like stuff we just found and didn't know existed yeah we're like can we, i didn't believe I didn't, this existed we gotta put existed. this in the movie yeah other stuff i think is probably stuff like i just personally was like oh i don't care what you do just give me a spider buggy yeah, you know, that's right. like, like, uh, like, wait, am I supposed to say that? Um, like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I want to see. That's been in the commercial. Spider yeah, okay. Been in the commercial. So, like, I want to see a spider buggy. Yeah. You know, there's but things like But there was like, like a, there was questions asked. I remember when we first talked about Scarlet Spider, it was like, how do we represent that character? It's like, 
we to the letter of the law embrace what it was about those 90s comics yeah it's, yeah. it's representing an era in comics yeah. that's one of the key things with the characters is yeah. that yeah. Ben Riley was an era when super duper ripped it was characters yeah. Yeah. Like, Post, uh, yeah like image comics yes. exodus from Marvel yes. muscles on top of yeah. muscles on top of muscle so that was the move and, and being in positions Pouches. that were not physically possible <laughs> yeah and we were just like it, we, we really wanted to capture that so and, that, and in brooding everybody was very extreme and very heavy yeah and very emo with a lot of Rob punches. is Rob Liefeld is going to email me now. He's going to be like, yo, yo, chill, chill, chill. Um, also, I think the mark of true, like, when you really, like, snap and got it, is that you're going to see Pavi at Comic-Con this year. You're going to yeah. see some of these characters, like, the people cosplaying them. Emotion. It's going to be amazing. I swear to you, because I, I think... The I'm going to get emotional when I see it. But yeah. about Pav in general, I totally agree. Uh, about Pav in general, it's like, he existed in, in the comics, but there was sort of a baton that like was handed to us a little bit like how do we elevate. take yeah how do we elevate yes. that idea and really sort of see a, a 360 version of what that world looks like right. what that culture is right. um so the fact that somebody's going to cosplay him and that it's meaningful to somebody it's just like i'm waiting for someone i want to see someone cosplay peter b with mayday with their kid mayday. <laughs> that's right. oh it's happening with oh, totally can't wait, 100%. Yeah. Can't wait. Mm. so many dads yeah. so many dads in san diego are going to yeah. be doing that it's going to be like see a lot of baby borns with the knit hats <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's on comic book. I have to ask you a question about the next one because we know that there's a next one. You guys hinted that this is like Empire Strikes Back and then my eyebrows raised to the roof and I'm like, oh, that's uh, interesting. Um, have you guys explored the possibility of getting our good friends, Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland and, and, and our, our real life No Way Home friends along with Tony McGuire? Have you guys thought about including them in any capacity in all this fun i i mean i'm just gonna say like the it's i please don't take this in any other way other than with pure love and respect uh sure. we have not thought about anything other than finishing this film and making it the most <laughs> crazy awesome film that it can yeah. be and there's plenty of nods all over the place there's plenty of, of 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 rabbit holes that like everybody will be able to, to run down yeah i mean that's, anything is possible in the spider-verse yeah. and that's the most we can say is yeah. that you know like this film isn't even out yet let's let's let there's and there's a lot to unpack in this movie so i think people need to really take the time to unpack what we've done here yeah. and be comfortable in the fact comforted by the fact that there is another one coming yeah um, and, and anything is possible. I think you, again, without spoiling it, I think there were a lot of surprises in this one that no one really saw, saw coming. Yeah. Um, and we want to continue doing that. You know, that that's definitely going to continue. I think that will suffice for my bosses. I think they're not going to throw me under the bus for that. Right, Thank right. you guys so much. <laughs> like, course. that'll work. You yes, know, we course. get to ask questions. Good luck with the next one. I really appreciate this film from the bottom of my heart. Thank for you. so many kids who wanted to see themselves be Spider-Man. Miles is it. Yes. So awesome. you guys you. have made more change than you guys really know. I appreciate it. Have a great day, guys. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.